Welcome to the BuckyCast, folks. John here. Just John. It's only me. No, Rob hasn't left us. Uh, Rob is on a cruise. So uh, I, I, as much as I hate him for being on a cruise in, in late February, uh, I guess he deserves it. It's yet to be determined, I guess. But we'll, we'll see what he does when he comes back. Anyway, broadcasting, podcasting to everyone tonight on the last day of February, February 28th. Wanted to get in one more February show before we kind of turn the page into that winter-spring uh, catastrophe that Wisconsinites call March, uh, where we usually get about three or four days of good weather and another 26, 27 days of, of mind-numbingly bad weather. I expect at least one or two blizzards yet this uh, month, upcoming month. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. It's still February, darn it. We did have a nice day today, but that's enough about the weather. Let's talk some Badger stuff. Uh, we're going to bring you some information about the men's and women's hockey teams. We're going to talk maybe even a little uh, briefly about track and field. And also mention a little bit about volleyball. And of course, also, we're going to talk about men's basketball and uh, the football team. And softball, too. We're equal opportunity here. So let's get ourselves kicked off. It's, it's, it's playoff time, folks. That's right. The end of February, beginning of March. It's time to start talking about, talking about hockey playoffs, NCAA tournaments, all that sort of good stuff that everyone everyone waits all year to watch, you know, teams they've never watched before compete to try and get into the big dance or the Frozen Four or however you want to look at it. Win a conference championship. Uh, so let's get let's get started here. Um, first of all, I do want to mention uh, if you want to go ahead and follow us on Twitter, we are at the BuckyCast, or you can send us an email. We are thebuckycast43 at gmail.com. You can also follow us, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, we have Instagram. We have Facebook. Um, how much we use them, that, that's a state secret that we can't talk about. But always looking forward to uh, getting responses from folks. We actually have one that we got, uh, an email we got in early February that I'm going to answer come this podcast. Because... Business is sort of slow right now. We're entering the slow period of the sports calendar. We'll start off with women's hockey. The women's hockey team still ranked number six in the country. Uh, just got done with the first round of the WCHA playoffs, and they whooped Minnesota State uh, 3-0 and 4-1 last weekend. Uh, not much to report. This was sort of expected that they were going to beat Minnesota State and handle them pretty easily. Now we get into the tough part. You know, it's the the um, the WCHA final face-off. I always thought they just called them Frozen Fours, but evidently they don't. This is the final face-off uh, upcoming in Minneapolis this weekend. Uh, the semifinals and finals for the big, for the, I'm sorry, for the WCHA title. We don't have a Big Ten Women's Hockey Conference yet. Uh, but anyway... Wisconsin drew the uh, far side of the uh, bracket away from number one, Ohio State. They picked up uh, Minnesota as their final, as their as their semifinalist. Um, so looking at that, the Badgers, once again, 
finishing another chapter in the border battle. This is a big one to win, though. Uh, both Minnesota and Wisconsin are going to wind up probably in the NCAA tournament at this point. I can't imagine a scenario where they don't. So Wisconsin kind of wants to get draw a little bit of uh, blood here, especially on Minnesota's home ice. We'll see how many Wisconsinites make it up there for this one. But the Badgers definitely looking for that big win. Uh, they have a puncher's chance. It l- was looking pretty grim early in February, but right now they're actually scoring pretty well. They're playing good defense. Um, this this will definitely be a exciting exciting showdown. And they'll take on the winner of their game will take on the winner of Ohio State Minnesota Duluth. That's the that's the holy quartet in the WCHA. Those are the four teams that are probably going to wind up all in the NCAA tournament at this point. Uh, Minnesota Duluth might be a little bit on the bubble, but everyone else is uh, is probably going in. Layla Edwards was named the WCHA Rookie of the Month. Well-deserved. Uh, every time I caught a hockey game or uh, uh, was watching the highlights or getting a roundup of what happened in the game, her name was always mentioned. In fact, uh, Edwards, Carolyn Harvey, and Kirsten Sims are – Together, the three finalists for WCHA Rookie of the Year. No other team had a Rookie of the Year candidate. They are all for Wisconsin. So that is some exciting news for the future, definitely. Uh, Wisconsin, I I don't know that that's ever happened before, where the three finalists for the Rookie of the Year have all been on the same team. Uh, Carolyn Harvey, to add to her tremendous year as a freshman, is also one of the finalists for the WCHA Defender of the Year. So that's how good of a year she had. She's considered one of the top three defenders in the WCHA. So exciting, exciting stuff coming up this weekend in Minnesota. And then when that weekend is over, we're going to find out, um, I'm assuming, where the Badgers are going to be seated. I'm doubting that we're going to hear that they did not make the the uh, NCAA tournament, but we shall see. I uh, can't say the same great news for the men's hockey program. They did, um, they did manage to split another series and again, a, a palindrome score, uh, losing 2-6 to Penn State and then winning 6-2 uh, the following night. So, it's on now to the Big Ten playoffs this weekend, and they will be playing Michigan. Uh, Michigan has handled Wisconsin this year. They're the fourth-ranked team in the country. So I don't expect this one to have much of a uh, fight to it. Uh, it would it, it'd be miraculous, I'd put it that way, uh, if they advanced past Minnesota. Or, I'm sorry, Michigan. Let's not, let's not cross. Let's not get, our, let's not, uh, get too ambitious here. Minnesota, of course, the number one team in the country. Michigan, number four. A paltry number four for Michigan. So, anyway, the Badgers finish up the regular season 13-20. and 20. Not good. Uh, even worse was the 6-17 and 17 mark in the Big Ten. Uh, that was definitively the uh, lowest mark in the Big Ten. Uh, it, it, was, it was an ugly year. Which brings me to the topic, you know, we've, we've talked about this all year. I have made no no ifs, ands, or buts about the fact that I do not expect Tony Granato to make it out of this season. appreciate what he did as a player. As a coach, he's mostly been a disaster. 
Uh, he's done good in recruiting. He had the one Big Ten title, which, you know, everyone can appreciate. But he did that with Cole Caulfield, who's probably one of the three greatest players, if not the greatest player in Wisconsin hockey history. And, um, you know, it's just it, the last two years have been really bad, especially defensively. So should Wisconsin make it past Michigan, the Big Ten playoffs? I don't know if that's going to buy him more time. It might, uh, especially because I believe that would put them in the uh, semifinals, which would be, you know, kind of, like I said, it would be miraculous, but I don't expect that. So the end of the Granado era is probably upon us. Uh, if he is retained, there is going to be a massive uproar. Uh, from all fans who still, you know, even casually follow hockey because Tony Granato does not, has not done anything to deserve an extension. Uh, other than if they want to hold on to the great recruits that are, that he's bringing in. But the problem is all those great recruits wind up leaving for the NHL and Wisconsin is no better off than they were before. So we will see what comes of that. Um, if the season goes on past this weekend, who knows, but uh, I expect it to end this weekend, and shortly thereafter, I expect a decision to be made about Tony Granado's future. On the women's volleyball team, we've got to quickly talk about them. They have their spring um, spring exhibition season coming up. They are going to play in two high school uh, auditoriums, gymnasiums, whatever you want to call them. Big buildings with courts, we'll call them that. Uh, they are, first of all, going to play. Oh, goodness. Now I got to remember where they're playing at. It doesn't really matter for you, the end viewer, if you want to go see it, or the end listener, if you want to go see it, they are both sold out. They're playing Marquette and Purdue in exhibition games at high school campuses, one in Wisconsin, one in Illinois, and neither, both of them are sold out. There are no more tickets. In fact, the uh, the one against Marquette sold out in five minutes. So that's that's the draw that Wisconsin women's volleyball has now. Uh, they also are going to have an exhibition against the U.S. All-Stars um, at the Fieldhouse. I fully anticipate that will be a packed house as well. Um, everyone loves women's volleyball, and they want to see the new, uh, the new transfers in. They want to see how that team meshes together. Uh, so, yeah, exciting news for women's volleyball uh, coming up here in the months of uh, March and April. And then they can get into the grind of preparing for the regular season. Um, quick quick side note, Nebraska now, uh, out of sheer spite and jealousy, has decided to have a volleyball match in Memorial Stadium in Nebraska. Uh, because, you know, frankly, Wisconsin had topped them and everything else. They have to get that attendance mark back. Nebraska fans, for those who don't know, notoriously obsessed with attendance. Uh, so they want that record back. They're probably going to get it. I mean, it's, it's a pretty volleyball crazy school as Wisconsin is right now. And, you know, Memorial Stadium seats in 80, 90,000 people. So I imagine they'll probably be able to pack at least 20, 25, 30,000 in there. If, if even, you know, if not even more than that, uh, that, I'm sure it's going to prompt an arms race because Kelly Sheffield's not going to take that one sitting down. So we may see volleyball under the lights of Camp Randall uh, coming up, or they may take another shot at the Cole Center. I don't know. Uh, but they're definitely interested in surpassing Nebraska, I would think. Uh, just just because it's it's a game now. You know, once Nebraska goes, goes football stadium, I don't think they can go any bigger. 
Uh, maybe they'll try and play Wembley next. I don't know. Um, but anyway, moving on from women's volleyball, uh, the softball team. The softball team did us all proud this last weekend. Uh, Wisconsin was four games under 500 due to a sweep at the opening series in Puerto Vallarta. Uh, they came back in the Joan Joyce Classic uh, down at Florida Atlantic and swept all four games. Um, they beat Boston College uh, 6-0. North Carolina, they faced twice, a 4-2 win on Saturday. And then on Sunday, they took them out again in the morning game, 5-4. And then the afternoon knocked off Villanova three to two. So back to 500. Uh, Kayla Conlon went berserk, had a couple of home runs, uh, had a slugging percentage that was astronomical. I'm, I'm not even going to look it up. She, she, she was raking this weekend. They were all raking. Uh, uh, Peyton Monticelli set a freshman record with, or at least since 2010, of 13 strikeouts in a game. So looks like another another beast in the uh bullpen for the for the Badgers. Uh yeah, they've 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 climbed back to the break-even mark. And now we'll see what where they can go for the rest of the year. Hopefully the trajectory is going to stay up, up, up. Uh UW men's uh track and cross country, um, the track team, indoor track team won the Big Ten title this last weekend. So, you know, hang another banner. Wisconsin continues to show well in all sports all across the Big Ten. That's good stuff. Women's basketball, the women's basketball team, who we've not talked about because they were so awful, going through into almost mid-February, closed with a bang. They won four of their last five. The only one they dropped was to the eventual Big Ten champ, Iowa, with Caitlin Clark, who's a cheat code. Uh, they got blown out pretty bad in that one, but all the rest of their games they won, including beating number 12 Michigan last weekend, doing something the men's basketball team could not accomplish against a much more inferior Michigan team. But I digress. Uh, anyway, Wisconsin managed to avoid having to play on the first day of the uh, Big Ten women's basketball tournament. They now get to play on the second day, which you want to avoid that first day. It's, it's you know, the day when nobody's half the teams haven't even showed up yet. So that's an accomplishment in and of itself. The Badgers closing well, and that kind of gives them a little momentum if they can win a game or two here in the Big Ten uh, Women's Basketball Tournament. It's not going to save them uh, to get to the NCAA Tournament unless they won the whole shooting match, which I highly doubt they're going to be able to do. But it definitely provided some positive momentum and some buzz around that program. So you may be hearing more about women's basketball from us just because, you know, got to talk about teams that are doing good. Now let's switch gears to a team that is is not doing badly and not doing well. They're just sort of there. Uh, men's basketball sitting now at 16 and 12, 8 and 10 in the big. They managed to win last night. We were pot or last time we were podcasting, we podcast in the midst of the Iowa game, and it wasn't looking good, but the Badgers hung together. Uh, Iowa had a terrible shooting night. And the Badgers pulled it out 60 to 49. So they picked up another win. And it was surprisingly Frantrum free. Uh, no, Fran McCaffrey tantrums. He saved that for this last weekend. Uh, but the Badgers then turned around. They had a game at Michigan. Uh, it was a 
vital. It was a must-win game almost. Most people felt they had to win that game to get into the NCAA tournament. And the Badgers spit the bit uh, at the end, which is becoming a pattern now for the last couple of months. Um, They were up by three. There were eight seconds left. Uh, They were supposed to foul on the way up the court so that Michigan would have to shoot two free throws. They did not. And on a last-second inbound pass, Hunter Dickinson, one of the worst people I know of currently in college basketball, who's trying to be a poor man's Grayson Allen, and he is a poor man's Grayson Allen, hit a three-pointer to stick an absolute dagger in the Badgers' hearts and send it to overtime, and the Badgers just weren't into it. Uh, You could tell once they got to overtime that it was pretty much over. Michigan had everything to gain now, and the Badgers just, I think, were deflated. And they didn't wind up uh, doing much, got finally finished off in the last minute. Uh, 87-79 was the final there. Uh, Just just disappointment all around. Uh, This team cannot consistently win in the Big Ten. And it's just, it's it's an absolute killer. I honestly, they have two games remaining. They have Purdue on Thursday, so in a couple days here. And then on Sunday, they are at Minnesota, and then that's it. Then the Big Ten tournament starts. They pretty much have to win out to guarantee themselves not finishing in the bottom four uh, of the Big Ten. That's how closely packed the Big Ten is, by the way. Like an eight and 10 record, normally you'd be up there like around, you know, fifth or sixth from the bottom. Now they're now they're 10th. So everyone in the Big Ten seems to be pretty even in terms of, of who, who they are and, and their schedule. Uh, the only team that the only teams that have distinguished themselves have been pretty much Purdue, Indiana, and Northwestern. Nice tight geographical spread there, now that I think about it. But um, Wisconsin just, they lost Chucky Hepburn in the game. We should mention that. Chucky Hepburn lost with an injured leg uh, in the second half. Kamari McGee has actually been really impressive the last few games. He's come in and he's played pretty well. And Kamari took over and Wisconsin didn't fold at that point. They actually continued to play really hard. Like I said, they were up by three with eight seconds left. However, and I have to take a drink of my beer now because I've got to talk about the however. They just don't seem to have any sort of killer instinct to finish. Um, Greg Gard, if he told them to follow at the end, they really weren't showing it. Um, it looked like they were trying to go for the steal rather than the foul. They needed the foul, and they didn't do it. And that left Michigan with the door open to just barely get off a shot and win. Or I should say send it to overtime and tie it where they then won. But it, it was it, it's hard to watch. They're just they're hard to watch. They struggle offensively. They didn't struggle offensively in this game, um, which was kind of surprising. Connor Asijin with a career-high 24. Uh, Max Klesman also had uh, 19 points, I believe. And I'm fairly certain, I think uh, Tyler Wall had a double-double as well. So it's not like Wisconsin wasn't putting up enough points. Their defense was was not great. Uh, they let Kobe Bufkin and Hunter Dickinson beat them almost single-handedly. Michigan didn't have Jet Howard, who's their best player. 
and boy, it just, it, it, it really, they're finding the team that found a way to win last year and earlier this year is now just finding every reason they can to lose. And it's, it's very disheartening to watch just when you think they've turned the corner, uh, they, they cough it up again. So they are guaranteed to not finish with a winning record in the Big Ten, I think, for the first time since that god-awful 2018-19 season when they when they had so many injuries and Brad Davison was a freshman and Ethan Happ was their only offensive player. Um, they're, they're stuck back in those days again, and they might very well miss the NCAA tournament. It's not as bad as that year was, but it's still fairly bad. They've only got four more wins than they have losses. And I mean, they could win. They could still, Purdue's not invincible. We've found that out over the last couple of weeks. They are, they are fully invincible, but someone's going to have to body up Zach Eady. I don't know that Wisconsin has the horses to do that. It's basically Stephen Crowell. And then you're stuck with Carter Gilmore. And while he has improved, He's not going to be able to contain Zach Eady. Uh, then you're forced to look at uh, hoping that Purdue's other players just all have off games. So Wisconsin's going to have to absolutely be on their top game to win against Purdue. Uh, this is remarkably like the end of last season, where they, it's basically you have to beat Purdue at home and then beat a terrible team on the road. Uh, and Minnesota has been a terrible team this year. Uh, they their last loss here, which I believe was to oh gosh, now I have to think it was to Nebraska. Uh, they just they they didn't look like they were in it, and they haven't looked like they were in it for a good few weeks. Uh, they just got Dawson Garcia back there. Finally, they finally have most of their players back healthy, and that's what worries me. Is you know can Wisconsin knock off Minnesota, who's going to be desperate for a Big Ten win? They have only one. They want another one. And best for it to be against their arch rivals. We're going to get their best punch, just like we got the best punch from Nebraska last year and weren't able to follow through. <sighs> it's it's a little depressing. So, and I, I am not one of the fire guard crowd. I'm definitely not one of those people. But as this season has gone on, um, you know, I can't, it's hard to blame any player for not doing what they were supposed to do. They have been worn down. They don't have any bench depth. They've asked guys who are not supposed to be doing what they're doing. Like for example, Carter Gilmore playing the primary backup front court guy, uh, Jordan Davis for half the season being the starter at small forward. Um, these guys were not, that was not what their roles were supposed to be. And Greg Gard, I don't know if he thought that he was invincible and that any player could develop into a superstar under him or, or what possessed him to not utilize the transfer portal better this offseason uh, or what, you know, his recruiting problems, um, both the highs and the lows have been gone over exhaustively. Um, he has a hard time closing on top prospects. That's been the, the case for years now. Um, so, you know, then, then he gets Nolan Winter, and then he, you know, then they go back into a funk again. So I, I, you have to almost say, like, it's not even like a majority. It's almost 75% of this. This falls on Greg Gard and his staff's shoulders. I mean, this team was not 
properly has not properly worked since the Tyler Wall injury. And Tyler Wall was not having a great year before that injury happened, but after he got hurt, um, everything kind of fell apart. So Greg Gard, he he needed a big man. He needed another big up front and for some misbegotten reason thought that Chris Hodges and Carter Gilmore and Marcus Silver were all ready to be that guy. And they weren't, none of them were. Uh, he didn't go after aggressively search after another perimeter score. And that has haunted Wisconsin all this year. So, you know, I would say this, you know, with three quarters blame on him, Greg Gard is, is not on a hot seat but his seat's not cold anymore like it was at the end of last year. He is going to have to come up with something to get the fan base excited again. And he has said as much. He said, you know, I, I'm not an idiot. I realize we have to do better in the transfer portal. We have to do better recruiting. But can he execute that? A lot of coaches know that they're failing at something and never can fix it. Well, Greg Gard's got to fix it now because it has been it was a fail this year and it's cost his team. It might cost them in the NCAA tournament. On the other hand, I do have to admit, no one saw them going 11-2 and two at the beginning of the year. And nobody, you know, was expecting them to be, maybe we were expecting them to be positioned for an NCAA tournament bid in the final weeks. But we're kind of, at the same time, we as fans, we lose track of the fact that, you know, this was about where Wisconsin was supposed to be. You know, it was thought this is going to be a rebuilding year. We knew the talent that was going to be on hand. There was no guarantee. Everyone assumed at the beginning of the year that Tyler Wall, Chucky Hepburn, and uh, Stephen Crowell were all going to get demonstrably better. And there's been some improvement, but not a whole, not a whole lot. Uh, if it weren't for Connor Asijian, who was practically a Plan C recruit, or wasn't definitely wasn't a Plan A recruit, uh, where would Wisconsin be right now? They they definitely wouldn't be contending for uh, a Big Ten you know, a, 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 or not a Big Ten, a, a, an NCAA tournament berth. They just wouldn't be there. So it's been a disappointing year in the fact that they started off so promisingly, like I said, 11 and 2, and then have gone 5 and 10 since then. So th- the, this has been a very inconsistent year, and I am hoping that he that Greg Gard fixes some things through the, through the transfer portal brings in a scorer on the wing, brings in a, a, an experienced big man to back up Stephen Crowell for a year. And then maybe, it, I don't know if they're going to get a guy who has more than one year of eligibility, but Wisconsin just needs some guys, especially in that front court where they're very, very thin. And we'll just have to see what happens. If he doesn't fix it and doesn't bring in any primo prospects for the 2024 class, Greg Gard's going to be in trouble. Uh, we we saw what happened to Paul Christ. Uh, Greg Gard's not at Paul Christ level yet because he's won a couple Big Ten titles, but Greg Gard is not going to. Greg Gard's teams didn't exactly blow the roof off of other teams uh, with those two Big Ten titles, so he's in a precarious spot now um, that he's put himself in, and we'll see if he can get himself out because he has gotten himself out before. Uh, there, this is not the first time people have questioned Greg Gard's acumen 
And it probably won't be the last time either, as long as he's at Wisconsin. Anyway, as I said, Thursday against Purdue, Sunday at Minnesota, and then we launch into the Big Ten tournament where Wisconsin's going to have to do some work. I have a feeling. Moving on now, we're going to move on to football. Um, not a whole lot of notes for the football team. Not a lot has happened. All the coaching staff is, is finally settled in. Uh, there's, you know, it's still winter conditioning. Spring football isn't even a glimmer in our eyes yet. The dead period has been in extension from February 1st through February 28th. So there's not been a whole lot of recruiting news to report. I've got the little smidgets of recruiting news. Um, in the last week, the Badgers have offered five different prospects. Um, out of the, uh, out of them, let's see if we can come up with, uh, we'll see if we can come up with, uh, some interesting players here. Well, there's only five, so it should be fairly easy. Uh, Badgers did hit uh, Indiana at the beginning or at the end of last week. Uh, they extended a couple of offers. One was to 2024 wide receiver uh, Natarion Nitro Tuggle, who's got one of my, he's not only does he go by Nitro, like Natarion's not even in his Twitter handle, uh, but he also. Besides Nitro, he also nicknamed himself Showtime. So when you're nicknamed Nitro and Showtime, you better be pretty good at what you're doing. He's a big receiver. He's 6'3", 190 pounds. Not sure that he's got like primo number one speed. He may not be a three-star for very long either. He's got four-star capability, but that's what the 247 composite has him rated at. Um, out of Northwood High School in Napanee, Indiana. So he's from Northern Indiana. Um, I'm a little shocked Notre Dame and Purdue haven't been all over him. But he's been out there campaigning for offers and visiting schools. And um, Wisconsin finally pulled the trigger. He's set to visit Georgia soon. So we'll see if, if he blows up. If he does, then Wisconsin doesn't have a chance. If he stays reasonably within reach, uh, the Badgers may have a shot at him, depending on, I think this is going to be a recruitment that lasts into the fall. And it may be one where, you know, you have to prove that you have a explosive enough offense that will make these wide receivers interesting. Uh, some other names that were offered, uh, Chauncey Gooden, who's a 2025 offensive guard out of Lipscomb Academy in Nashville. He's probably going to be a five-star player, 6'4", 305 already. Uh, just knocks guys on his on their butts. Um, he he is probably not going to be around for the Badgers. I'm pretty sure he's headed to one of the premium um, SEC or schools, or maybe even Michigan or Ohio State. But it was worth the offer. Uh, another player that they offered recently, um, Brock Shot. This is more of a realistic option in 2025. Uh, Shot is out of Leo High School in Indiana. Um, not rated yet on the 247 composite, but um, 6'3", 205 pounds. Listed as an athlete. He plays tight end. Uh, he can split out wide as a wide receiver. He's not all that fast, but he can catch and he can block. So it makes sense to, to uh, view him as a tight end on offense. Uh, he's, I don't think he's 205. I think that listed weight is wrong because he looks a lot bigger than 205 pounds on a 6'3 frame. But, yeah, he's really good blocker for a guy who's of that size. 
he also is an edge outside linebacker type. So that is definitely intriguing as well. He's got very, very long arms, very wide frame. Uh, looks really, really intriguing. Um, yeah, he's a player that I would expect Wisconsin to hang around with for a little bit unless he really, really blows up. Uh, Josh Philistine, uh, 2024 four-star cornerback out of Cardinal Newman High School in West Palm Beach. You got to love those South Florida cornerbacks. They're they're a dime a dozen, and yet they're all phenomenal in their own way. I don't know what it is. It must be something in the water. Um, I don't know. But it seems like every every single team has at least one or two cornerbacks out of Florida. 5'11", 160 pounds, very skinny. Uh, but he is everywhere around the ball. He seems to just be in the right place at the right time all the time. And he gets the ball. He, I, his huddle film shows him scoring a couple of pick sixes. So he has really, really uh, improved in terms of like getting getting to where he needs to be. Now he has to add some size. Uh, at five, at only five eleven, six foot tall, you've got to be bigger than one hundred and sixty pounds. But he's an interesting player to watch going forward. I'm sure he's got offers, you know, up the wazoo at this point because four star cornerbacks out of South Florida don't usually sit there with only a few Midwestern offers. Uh, finally, Christian Pierce. If that last name sounds familiar, it should. Uh, he's out of Brother Rice High School in Chicago. That's right. He's Trey Pierce's uh, younger brother. Class of 2025 linebacker. Very quick, very fast, explodes through the hole. I do not give Wisconsin more than a 1% chance here, and maybe not even that, because Michigan has already offered him. And since Trey went to Michigan after dumping his Wisconsin offer, I'm going to guess he's going to proceed right to Michigan. He's going to go to go. He's not going to collect $200. Uh, but well, he will collect $200, but yeah, but six foot, 210 pounds. So he's, he's one of those quicker, faster linebackers that Michigan's defense really seems to favor. So we will see what happens there, but I'm highly doubtful. Wisconsin did miss on, um, Kari Jackson, the linebacker out of West Bloomfield in Michigan, we made his top seven, uh, but we're beat out by Penn State, of course. The only blue blood offer that he had, and he snapped it up. So uh, the Luke Fickle effect is is fickle right now because Wisconsin is offering a ton of high-level high prospects and not gaining a lot of traction with very many of them. So we'll see how this goes uh, going into uh, the rest of the 2024 recruiting cycle. They've still got a few months here, but... March and April visits are going to be key and getting guys in for then um, June or late May or how the calendar keeps getting pushed up. June is probably the key month. Uh, so by July, we should know what the fate of the 2024 class is going to be and whether Luke Fickle can raise Wisconsin's recruiting heights to even greater heights than they were a couple of years ago when, uh, when Paul Christ got his number 16 ranked recruiting class in the country. You would hope so. You would think so. Wisconsin's not right now in the top 25 with only three commitments, but we'll find out. I did want to quickly cover an email that was sent to us uh, earlier this month uh, from, uh, let me look here. Greg Ginter sent us this email and uh, heard me on uh, Locked On Badgers podcast where I was a guest. 
uh, earlier this month and wanted to um, talk about uh, Graham Mertz and what I felt the reasons were, what we felt the reasons were for uh, Mertz's uneven performances. And that is such a weighted question because we don't, we'll never really know how much of that was Graham Mertz just not being good or Paul Christ and his coaching staff mishandling Mertz. Uh, we're going to find out a little bit because Mertz went to Florida. Uh, now, Florida is not in great straits right now in terms of the SEC. They're probably the third best team in the SEC East. They may not even be the third best. They might be fourth best. But he's definitely going to have athletic targets to throw to. It's not going to be a run-dominated offense. Uh, it's not going to be pro-style. So he should find out here pretty quickly uh, whether he's got the medal to actually be the quarterback he was supposed to be coming out of high school. I know that things really seem to start to go wrong for Graham Mers. Everything was proceeding according to plan, especially when Jack Cohn got hurt and he got elevated into that starting role. It looked like, oh, wow, you know, here he is, redshirt freshman, uh, anointed boy getting his shot. And he came out and had probably the best debut of any Wisconsin quarterback since Russell Wilson. And it was actually better than Russell Wilson's debut, which was pretty phenomenal. Um uh, Threw for five touchdown passes, uh, was throwing the ball all over the field, looked phenomenal. And then uh, came COVID. And there's a part of me that will never be convinced that COVID didn't screw up Graham Mertz. Uh, something happened in his, because he did not look like the same quarterback after he came back from COVID. He did not show any signs of skittishness at all against Illinois. Illinois wasn't a very good defense, but he's played a lot of not good defenses and has been hit or miss in terms of how much he stayed in the pocket and how much he he you know threw to his threw his receivers open. Um, after that, it was just you know he he had a solid game against Michigan, and then everything else that year was a disaster until Wake Forest rolled rolled into town. Um, I shouldn't say rolled into town. We rolled into town at the Duke's Mayo Bowl with them and uh, proceeded to have one of the great second halves in, in Badger Bowl history. But that first year, I mean, it was the perfect cherry on the top was him dropping the Duke's Mayo Bowl trophy. Whether that was staged or not, we don't know, but it just seemed to epitomize his year. And in fact, it came to epitomize his career at Wisconsin. Um Mertz had all sorts of swagger. Uh, he had his own gear. Once NIL became a thing, he immediately came out with his own branding. He had his own symbol on his own T-shirts, which you kind of want. You want your quarterback to be cocky, to, to have that sort of attitude of, I'm going to be great. But he never backed it up. And after that first year, everyone said, okay, that's a mulligan. It was COVID. You know, his receiving core was, was riddled with injury. Um, you know, everyone was back for his sophomore year, theoretically should have been, you know, far better. And it was just, he, he directly cost Wisconsin their first game against Penn state with fumbles. It was really awful and nothing seemed to go right for him that didn't then promptly go wrong is the best way I can put it. And Joe, and 
Joe Rudolph and Paul Chris tried virtually everything that they had within their arsenals. Um, you know, he had at one point, I think uh, he had John Budmire was the guy who recruited him and was his quarterback's coach. Then it was Joe Rudolph for some unknown reason. We decided to do that. Um, then it was uh, then it was Paul Christ directly. And then it was Bobby Engram with Keller Christ's help. And so many offensive coordinators, none of whom evidently was, was a good enough quarterback guru to show him the light. He did have a solid effort his final year here last year, his junior year in which he threw more touchdowns than interceptions for the first time in his career. But he just threw the most untimely picks and turnovers. Uh, it, it, it was really disheartening to watch. And Graham Mertz just never, never achieved what he was supposed to achieve. And now a wide open offense comes along, but Graham Mertz is already gone. So we're never going to find out what Graham Mertz's possibilities were. If I had to guess... I'd say that this was more of a Graham Mertz problem than it was a Paul Crist problem. I think Paul Crist, his problem was that he, once he had attached his, once he had attached himself to Graham Mertz, Graham Mertz was going to be the quarterback to take Wisconsin into the next era. Uh, once that didn't happen, Paul Crist stubbornly stuck with him and stuck with him and stuck with him, hitched his wagon to him, and he went down in flames as a result. Uh, and that's Paul Christ, as we now, you know, can can say indubitably was too stubborn for his own good there at the end. Uh, did not did not change enough to where uh, he could put Graham Mertz in a position to succeed. But by then, I don't know that Graham Mertz would have succeeded. Uh, I think after that sophomore year, Wisconsin was ruined for him. When you seem to directly cost your team games. Uh, that just that that just piles up, and that was always in the back of everyone's mind last year when he started out and was actually doing pretty well. Uh, everyone just always knew that there would be some ill-timed throw, or, or or something bad would happen. And he was fortunate in that he left Wisconsin as actually a quarterback with a winning record. Um, that's something that's not talked about much, but as a starting quarterback, he did leave the Badgers with more wins than losses. So he's got that going for him, which is nice. But I would have to say that that about 70 per, 60 to 70% of Graham Mertz's struggles were brought on by Graham Mertz, just, you know, getting it in his head that he was not somehow good enough to make plays or thinking too much and trying to make the great play when all he had to do literally in, in some cases was hand off the football or just dump it into the flat. If he would have had the accuracy rate of say a Scott Tolzien, like 70%, you know, on, on medium and short level passes, no one would probably be talking about um, Graham Mertz being in Florida and no one would be, we would be still sitting here with Paul Christopher, the head coach, and we probably would have won more games. But, you know, Graham Mertz just never put it all together, and he's going to have his two more years of eligibility left in Florida to try and figure it out. But uh, God help him if he can't figure it out in Florida. If he thinks Wisconsin was tough on him, yeesh, SEC fans are going to absolutely eat him alive. 
So I hope that answers your question, Greg. Um, and I apologize that we didn't get to it sooner. You sent it, I think, on the first day of February, and here we are on the last day answering it. Sorry about that, but continue to follow us. Follow us uh, at the BuckyCast or send us an email, uh, thebuckycast43 at gmail.com. Uh, subscribe to our channel on YouTube. I don't know if this episode's going to make it without Rob, our technical wizard here. Uh, I, all I can do is send it to him on his phone and hope that he does the uh, the correct work on his cruise. I'm kidding. I wouldn't do that to I wouldn't do that to him. I, 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 as far as you guys know, I wouldn't do that to them. So in the meantime, I'm going to sign out for tonight and to everyone else out there. Peace out, people. <laughs>